Hola, amigos, and welcome to the Add to Houston Admigos podcast, a podcast for young professionals in the marketing and advertising industry who are learning to navigate their early careers. I am Guido Falcone, the president of Add to Houston, joined today by my co-host. Hi, y'all. I'm Rose Garza, the past president of Add to Houston and the co-EDI chair. And as always, by our producer, Jacob Danton, who is here with us. Hello, everyone. Today on the show, we have Mark Bacani. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> I just messed with it. Mark is a growth product manager at the Transfer Group. He's also a good friend of mine, someone I've known for about seven years now. Wait, you, you use the F word? Yeah, uh, it's one of the few people I've actually called friends in all of my life. So this is a very, very special episode for me. I'm, I'm glad honored. it's being recorded. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> this is on the record evidence. now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, me. You know, me and Mark. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for being here. Before I say anything, of course. Yeah, and uh, him and I have uh, quite a history together. We, like I said, we know each other for a long time. And I think, I think he's going to touch on that today, right? Of That's, course, uh, oh, you know goodness, it. Yeah. So before we go ahead and start um, with the really hard hitting questions. Uh, we'd like to take a little bit of time uh, to ask all of our guests to introduce themselves and also kind of tell us how they got involved with Ad2, AAF, and the Ad Club in general. Well, thanks for that warm welcome, Rose and Guido. Um, yeah, so my name is Mark, uh, like Guido said, and growth product manager at the Transforce Group. Um, how I got involved in the AAF has a lot to do with Guido. It, we, <laughs> if it wasn't for Guido, I would not have been a member of Ad2 and AAF. So Guido and I worked together at Banana Republic. Um, this was, feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. That was uh, two presidents ago. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, um, I was about to go to business school in Shanghai and Guido and I, we hung out at work, spent a lot of time together. And then one night Guido was like, Hey, I got this marketing networking event. I want to go to, I really don't want to go alone. Uh, you should come with me. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Fine. I had nothing to do that night. Uh, we show up. Uh, it was a fateful night. It was a fateful night. Rose was there. A couple other people from Ad2 were there. We got to know people. It was fun. Like, you know, it was interesting to meet some people in the industry in Houston. I left to go to grad school and came back to Houston like I, like almost two years later. By the time I got back, somehow Guido was like vice president. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wild two years. It was a wild two years. I'm like, I wasn't gone that long. You you didn't know these people and now you're vice president. And then like in 2019, I think it was, Guido was like, hey, we got this public service thing. He's very vague about it because I think that was yeah, part yeah, of the, yeah. the trap. Yeah, that's how we get how we get you. It's like, there's a public service thing. Could you just come to one meeting? And like, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm not doing that night. Somehow I became public service chair very soon after that. So, you know, it was it was a lot of um, getting stuck. Yeah, but it's been fun. We like, people get voluntold a lot uh, in this club. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you included. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. Um, so you have lived and worked in different countries. Can you talk about some of the lessons you have learned from working? Yeah. So, I mean, I've uh, lived in Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong, and spent a little time in Japan. I think one of the things that I've learned working in different countries is the best ideas always happen where cultures collide. So, I mean... Growing up in Houston, you already get a lot of this. I mean, people are from everywhere and mm -hmm. you, you just, you don't think twice about the fact that you're always in an extremely diverse room. Um, and then I got even more of that when I was abroad and y you have to 
be conscious of the fact that everybody's going to be coming something from different angles. Everybody's going to be, in my experience, it was both cross-functional in terms of teams, but also cross-functional in terms of culture. And keep an open mind and listening to those people who are coming from a tech background or coming from a different culture than you or coming from a different industry than you. And usually when you get all those ideas in the room, a lot of cool things can happen. No, that's, yeah, that's really cool. Definitely. Uh, Houston being one of the most diverse cities, I assume probably helped you um, kind of get acclimated. I would love to hear how you get acclimated to a new city that you move forward. You moved to for work, right? So you've moved to, you've lived in Hong Kong, Shanghai, um, uh, Tokyo, right? I spent time there and I actually yeah, lived uh, there. Yeah, and now Miami. Uh, so I would like to, yeah, so how do you, how do you adjust, right, to this different culture, this different country? I mean, I did it, but just at one time. It seems like you've done it quite a few times. Uh, patience. It takes a lot of patience. I'm not going to lie. Uh, learning a new place, learning a new culture. It takes patience. The other thing I would say is get involved because whenever you're moving to some place, like nobody knows you, you're not part of the scene. You don't know anybody. You're get involved as you, as much as you possibly can, even better than just getting involved is do something intense. Do something really intense with a group of people that builds instant connections. Like in Shanghai, I did a coding boot camp. That was nine weeks of just, you know, barely sleeping, coding all the time. And then those are friends for life, and I can build a network there. In Houston, when I came back, you know, I joined you guys. We were doing public service, and we are working really hard on those campaigns, and I made a lot of friends that way. So, like, if you go to a new place, find some people to work on something with, either, you know, take some classes somewhere, work on a project with somebody, join an add to chapter and get involved there. So just something that you're, you're jumping right into so that you can, uh, you get to know people better when you're like hands-on working on something. So Shanghai, Tokyo, Japan, the U S and the other countries you have lived in all have different markets, different audiences, different trends, and really different everything. So can you briefly talk about some of the similarities and differences of the markets you have worked in? Yep, absolutely. So um, I've kind of worked, my, my work has been kind of straddling between tech, fashion, and marketing. And, I, you know, if you're in the chi mainland Chinese market, so not including Hong Kong, uh, it's an entire generation of people that skipped personal computers. China grew up so quickly and so fast most people never had personal computers. They all went straight to smartphones. So everything is there is mobile first. 90% of all web traffic is on mobile. Nobody uses a computer there. So whenever you're making or doing something, you have to think about the small screen before anything else. Don't even, honestly, if you're making a website, don't worry too much about the desktop version. Nobody will see it. And everything's e-commerce. So they love super apps there. So in China, there's really just two apps. Okay, maybe three. There's uh, Alipay, WeChat, and, well, Douyin, which is the Chinese version of TikTok. Um, like a billion people. Yeah, a billion people. on. I think WeChat's like 1.4 billion people. And inside those apps, there's a bunch of mini apps. So if you're actually making something, so if you want to sell something on the Chinese market, you don't make a website, you make a mini app within WeChat, and it lives in WeChat, which is sort of like Shopify, but on WeChat. 
And then that's a very high tech, like nobody in China now takes cash. It's all pay with your phone, all this kind of stuff. So it's super high tech. And then I went to Hong Kong and it's the complete opposite. So there only 7% of retail is online. Like people love just physically walking into a store and buying stuff. So like I had problems when I was doing marketing in Hong Kong where I was thinking, okay, let's do digital ads. Let's do social ads. Kind of like the normal stuff that you learn as a digital marketer. And it wasn't working. We had to do physical on in-person uh, marketing, like uh, pop-up shops. And that's the only thing that got somewhere. And then of course, like in the US, it's it's someone in between. Like it is, it is pretty high tech. People are on their phones a lot, but people also shop on their computers. So it's kind of like between Hong Kong and China, the US is somewhere in the middle on that. So I think the lesson there is just really pay attention to the channels that your audience is on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know which of your clients you had to do puppets for. <laughs> we'll be mentioning them in this podcast. So at the top of the, of, of the podcast, I mentioned that you were a growth product manager, right? So can you talk a little bit, a little bit about what that role entails and how it interacts with other teams. So product management is kind of a, it's a little bit of everything role because like there's different ways to get in product management. My path was, as you know, from marketing background, I studied marketing in business school, uh, but some people come from a tech background um, and some people, you know, might come from a project management background, but product is more about it's a bit of everything because you have to know marketing, you have to know, you have to know a little bit of tech and you have to know the business. So it, it, it is, you interact with all, like on my current team, I actually report to the CMO. So the C, so that is a little bit of a more of a marketing side of things, but I have to work with the development team to make things happen because we're education. So I have to work with the people making the course. So it is kind of like, since it is cross-functional, I pretty much talk to people from almost every team every day as in like I have to like coordinate it and make it kind of a holistic product that we're delivering to our to our user it's it's yeah you're taking bits and pieces from every team so we talked a bit about product management but there's another role that is kind of similar card product marketing can you show what makes these roles similar and and unique but also different I, I would say in any of this the the lines are a little bit blurry product in its purest form is about what happens after you sign up for a product or you buy a product. It's, it's your, uh, I don't know, like, let's say you're signed up for Facebook. It's after you or meta, sorry, after you sign up for meta, <laughs> then, you know, it's what happens once you're on the platform. Whereas, you know, marketing is to get people at the top of the funnel into a certain platform. Um, but it's blurry because, you know, there's retargeting and there's other ways of getting people back into it. So they do kind of cross. Um, but I would say usually if you're talking about product marketing, it's that higher part of the funnel. So uh, when you're getting people to learn about the company, get them uh, into your company, whereas product is more about your user journey after you've already signed up or purchased the product. I know, because I've known you for so long, I know you worked on a number of um, startups, right, in Hong Kong and China, but you've always worked in-house, right, for the marketing teams that are in-house for those startups. Can you 
Talk a little bit about the pros and cons of working in-house. Well, in-house, you're you're more unifocused. You're focused on one thing. And actually, this is different for me because, I, like you said, I came from startups. At the startup, you have usually one product, one mission, a very small team, and you're all just focused on making that thing happen. Of course, the difference of that with the agency or freelancing, because I have done some freelancing with different clients, is you're thinking about a bunch of different campaigns, a bunch of different products, and you have to like, you know, be good at a bunch of different things, which is, I think is kind of fun because a little bit of time I spent freelancing, it was, it was entertaining because I got to try different things, experiment. Um, so I guess in-house there is that danger of kind of getting tired of doing one thing, but there's also like, you do get to focus more and like you, if you're in-house, you basically need to know the user better than they know themselves. Like you're, you're responsible for knowing what they're going to need before they ask for it. You need to know uh, what they're thinking. Like in my current company, we train truck drivers and I, I've only been there for about a month, but I've already learned half the questions that, you know, they're going to keep asking over again. Of course you're helping me with that. And you know, Oh Yeah. I, I've learned half of the questions that people are asking at your job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you recently started a new job in Miami. Well, congratulations, by the way, even though it's kind of bittersweet because you decided to leave us. Also, it's Miami. So, uh. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be back. My whole team's remote, so I don't have to be there all the time. That's okay. When you're So when you're in Houston, let me know so I can go to Miami and stay at your place. <laughs> yep. Mm. So, uh, can you talk a bit about how young talent can ease some of the pressure and stress that comes with job hunting? First off, it is stressful. I am not going to lie. Oh. It is. <laughs> no sugarcoating you. <laughs> no <laughs> sugarcoating. It sucks. Everybody, every single person that works in a capitalist society knows the pressure of finding a job, especially if you want to do something that you really want to do. Because if you have a focus, well, it's going to be a little harder. But part of it is realizing that everybody's been in your shoes. The other part of it is don't take it personally, because I think a lot of the jobs I applied to had anywhere from like 200 to 500 candidates posted on LinkedIn. So like a lot of times if you're applying and that's actually not how I recommend getting a job, but if you're applying online, you, if you get rejected 90% of the time, no human being actually looked at your resume. So, you know, if you keep getting rejected, one, no human probably actually personally rejected you. No, no one's like taking that time. So don't take it personally. Um, that's one thing. And I think is my bit of advice, like try SEOing. If is that the right way to do it? It's SEOing, SEO. SEO. I mean, if it's I mean, not, we made it a thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right, that's trademark. By the way. <laughs> try to SEO your own LinkedIn profile. Your all of your because you you should have a portfolio, especially if you're anywhere related to marketing or tech, or if you're into tech, you might have a GitHub, and then of course you should have a LinkedIn. Have a rock solid LinkedIn profile, and put in those keywords that you know that like look through the job descriptions that you want and make sure those keywords are on your LinkedIn because, and then tell uh, LinkedIn that you are open for jobs because that's how I found my job. That's how I found a couple of my interviews was I just made my LinkedIn as, you know, searchable as possible. And then recruiters started reaching out to me um, because that's kind of one way that you're going to get through the mess instead of just applying. So that's my, you know, tips on work looking for a job. 
No, that's, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. No, I think that does too. And I think that's very important, especially a lot of people don't think about making your LinkedIn profile what you want out of your job instead of making your resume. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, that, that is because look for a job description that you want. Like, okay, this is my ideal job and start, well, okay, this is the skill I need for that job. Make sure that you can show that you did that thing. And if not, there's always ways to say, you know, okay, I'm learning it, take a class, something like that. Put it on your LinkedIn. Yeah. I always tell people how important LinkedIn is. And then I look at my LinkedIn and it's like, I should be taking some of the advice that I give people. I mean, you have a recommendation from me, so, you know. So I'm really starting off in a bad spot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, uh, LinkedIn is... Uh, it's a it's a it's a great tool to have if you are a job seeker. Even if you're not a job seeker, I think it's still important to oh, have yeah. to make those connections and make meaningful oh, yeah. connections. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you ever go to an networking event, make sure you are connecting with the people you meet the next day on LinkedIn, uh, just to kind of make sure that they remember you. You never know who you're gonna who's gonna have the next job. For young talent thinking about either transitioning to in-house agencies or like maybe that's where their career has started, you know, in that path. Can you share some advice about adjusting to it, about maybe what they can expect working in-house for a client? You think that, like, if you're working in an agency, you have a ton of clients that you're answering to. The thing is, in-house, you still have a lot of stakeholders that you're reporting to. And and so, if, okay, look, if you're an in-agency environment, um, I've, you know, always done freelancing, but... If you're in an agency environment, you you have to show the clients you're doing stuff. You give them reports, you give them indication, hey, this is this is the campaign's working. You you have to prove it. You can't just send the campaign off and then kiss it goodbye. And like you have to actually say, okay, here's some analytics that show that people are clicking on it. Here's some conversion rates. Like you want to have to show it. Do the exact same thing in-house. And what I mean by that is you have, I mean, if you're in a startup, you have investors. If you are in a bigger company, you have bosses, you might have multiple bosses, um, like I do, and you're going to, you have to show that you're doing things, that things are working, that your team is progressing. You like, I send a letter to the CMO, like uh, a couple times a week. Hey, this is what we did. This is what we're doing. Here's the analytics. Every single morning, I show an analytical dashboard to show this is what happened this day of the product that goes all the way up to the CEO. And like, I had some good news on Friday call my boss. He sent that straight up to the CEO. Um, I got super nervous when he said I was going up to the CEO. So I like triple check my work like 50 times. But the idea here is you in-house or out of house, you still have people that are going to be, they care that the things are happening. So you have to, to show that do put up a dashboard, get a report, some way to show that, you know, you're progressing and that, you know, something's moving the needle. So I just want to highlight again that Guido finally used the friend word just because <laughs> if you know him or not a lot, he always says, you know, he has no friends. None. It's only taken me, what, seven years to become a friend? seven years. Yeah. And, so if you're trying uh, to be yeah. Guido's friend, just be patient. Seven yeah. years. <laughs> I mean, I've lived in countries for less time than it took me to become Guido's friend. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, in a lot of this industry... Is about the people you know, and more importantly, the meaningful connections you continue to develop with these people. So can you share some tips for networking or growing relationships in our industry? Uh, I guess I'm supposed to plug out to here. Is that, you know? That's, that's mean, basically what this question to, is. You yes. can plug how you personally network. Well, no, Adsu did do a lot for me, especially here in Houston, because 
I came back to Houston, even though I was born and raised here, didn't really know a lot of people, especially in the industry. And I met you guys and you guys were awesome and had a lot of fun. And uh, we try to be serious sometimes. But, <laughs> <laughs> Never get anything done. <laughs> but no, I, I think, and I kind of touched on this earlier, but first, yes, go network, find the organizations uh, in that community. If there's an ad to and you know, that's what you're looking for. Go for an ad to like just network because ad to people are great, but also find a way to get deeply involved in something, not just like show up to events because that's good. Events are great and you can meet people that way. But I've noticed that in my past, the deepest connections I get is kind of when you've gone through the trenches with somebody. So like, like with us, we worked on a couple of public service campaigns and, you know, we're kind of in the trenches where, we're making these campaigns and it was a lot of fun, but we've actually worked together and got to know each other a little bit better. And then, um, you know, some of the friends I had made from grad school in Shanghai, like, you know, we were in classes together and it, we're up late at night working on things. Same with the coding boot camp in Shanghai and Hong Kong. I got to know my colleagues cause we were in a startup. So we had, you know, all these kind of pitches and all those kind of things. So the deepest connections like have come from, going through some type of project or like, I mean, if you're a freelancer, that's great. Like I've met a lot of my friends from working on different projects. So, you know, go to events, that's good. And always do that, but also try to figure out something you can work on with some people like either add to or something else. Cause that's where you, you build the deep connections. No, I, I agree. Um, yeah, going through something that much of a commitment, right? Like a like a campaign or a class or anything, really fosters this uh, camaraderie that you wouldn't have any other way, any other way, right? Uh, and I definitely think that that's that's something that I think we can all speak to, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, we've all been through a lot together, so uh, that has uh, bound bind us, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I see when I say bind us, it makes me think of like the Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh, we're yeah. not going on some type no. of show. Do we need rings? Place? Can we yes. get rings? We're get, no, uh, we're not rings. getting rings. All that uh, in jackets. Uh, so, <laughs> just before, <laughs> so before we go, I do want to talk a, a little bit about this because, um, like Mark said, me and him met in we were working in retail uh, like six years ago, right? Um, I miss those discounts. I mean, I'm going back on the weekend so I, so I can get a discount. Yeah, because um, you shop there so uh, much. Yeah, I, <laughs> all of my clothes come from Banana Republic. The reason that I want to bring that up is that you just simply never know um, where that connection is going to come from, right? Absolutely. Uh, one day you are folding clothes with someone. <laughs> the next day it's like midnight and you're working on a deck for a company in Hong Kong. Uh, and then, you know, the day after you are working on a chatbot for truckers. So <laughs> you really never know where life is going to take you. And don't... Um, you know, don't look down on any other connections you make because you never know which one of them is going to make you money. Um, but most importantly, you never know when a good friend is going to show up and nope. you never know where it's going to take you. And I think that's what we try to foster here at two, that uh, connections are important and you just never know where they're going to come. Absolutely. You you don't. I mean, no, I, 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 I remember we met. It was training it. But we were literally it folding clothes. It was, yes, <laughs> it, it was training it. Also, you hated the way I folded clothes. Yeah, because you did it wrong. 
Well, is thanks. there a wrong? Yes, the right there is. I do it the right way. In retail, yes, there is. And master of the stockroom back here. Was I was all like, I was a manager, uh, <laughs> stockroom manager. You so. were not a manager when we started, and I was busy actually selling. So you know, uh, whatever. But no, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Like you don't don't you never know where you're going to meet people, and you're going to meet people in the most random places. And just you know, don't don't stop to be like. Oh, well, I'm not at a networking event for marketing. I'm not going to meet somebody in ministry. You might. And just, just stop to talk to people because you never know when you're going to meet somebody that's going to be a lifelong friend. Yes, we're going to use the F word, but, you know. It's the only F word we're allowed in this. But, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, um, Mike, you know, this has been a, a whole lot of fun. Uh Again, I've seen way too much of you this week, so I can't wait for this to be over. But uh, before we head out, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Any uh, any projects you're working on and maybe how people can find you? Uh, I mean, just look me up on LinkedIn, Mark Bacani. Uh, there's not a lot of people with my name in the world. So you want to she... spell your last name? Yeah. <laughs> you want to spell your first name? Mark with a C. <laughs> uh, M-A-R-C. And then last name, Bacani, B-A-C-A-N-I. So yes, please look me up. I'm always happy to reach out. You might need to send me like two emails before I, because I, I, I get, a, I'm slow at responding to things, but yeah, no, I, I've uh, currently starting a new project, training truckers, and really enjoy it, but hope to be still tied to the Houston scene as much as possible. So if you know anybody who wants to be a truck driver, you can send it into the Transforce Group, the CDL school. Look, we need truckers right now. Yeah, they- we need truckers, and uh, I'm building a chatbot for it, so yeah, please use it. <laughs> uh, other than that, I think, uh, anything else? No? No, that's it. Yeah, we're good. Thank you so much for being here, Mark. Thank really you. appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. One last thing. Adventure 2022 is coming to Houston. In addition to the National Student Advertising Competition, you can count on a full spectrum of speakers, wide range of workshops, and limitless opportunities for professional growth and personal fun. Adventure will be held from April 20th to April 23rd. For more information, you can go to aaf10.org. Thank you for joining us today. The Add to Houston Amigos podcast is produced at Radio Lounge. Add to Houston is a collaborative collective of young communication professionals aged 32 and under who are looking to make a difference in the industry. If you would like to become an Amigo, join us at addthenumber2houston.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at addthenumber2houston. Thank you for listening.